I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. Today's thought from above is this. You must live the exchanged life. If you missed the pilot episode or this is your first time listening, this is a podcast for what we call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. That's where the name of the podcast comes from, from Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where Paul encourages us to set our minds on things above. Setting our minds on good, beautiful, and true thoughts, on uplifting, encouraging, life-giving, biblically-based thoughts from above is not easy. And that is why we do this podcast, to provide for you in each episode a thought from above that you can dwell upon so that your heart will be warmed and you will become an epiphany of grace. In a previous episode titled Dedicated, I told the story of a time when I was fasting and someone found out that I was fasting and behind my back asked the question, who does he think he is? Some kind of saint? And I talked about how biblically that is actually true, that those of us who are Christ followers, by virtue of our relationship with Jesus, the action and presence of God in our lives, we are saints because we are set apart. We've been set apart. That's what it means to be a saint. And I explained that in Colossians 1, when Paul writes his letter to the saints in Colossae, he's saying that not because of their behavior, but because of who they are. They have been dedicated. They've been separated. They've been consecrated by the work of God. That's what it means. So, if you remember in that episode, I talked about how Scott McKnight made this claim that it's not the act of dedication or consecration that makes someone or something holy. It's the presence of God that makes someone holy. This is really important because we often think that we do something, whether it's some magical prayer or it's our behavior that makes us holy or not holy. But it is the act and presence of God. That is what makes a saint a saint. That's what makes someone holy. To be dedicated, then, is to be set apart from your common, worldly, normal usage and to be set apart for something else. And that's what it means to be a Christ follower. So, a saint's a saint by the actions and presence of God, not by our actions. So when this person was like, who does he think he is a saint? They were assuming that I was trying to be something through my actions. And at the time I felt like, oh no, no, I'm not trying to be that. I, I, I'm, I would never supposed to be that. That's not who I am. But I've changed my mind. After several years of studying the scriptures, I began to see that that is actually who I am and who you are. If God is active in your life, then the correct term for you is, you are a saint. And that's a part of something that John Calvin called the great exchange. Here's what that means. So in Hebrews 10, 14, we read, For by a single offering he's perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Wow, there's a lot in that little verse. For by a single offering, what does that refer to? The cross. For by a single offering he, Jesus, has perfected for all time 
those who are sanctified. Now, perfected doesn't mean I am now perfect in my behavior and my thoughts. It's not that. It's been made whole. That's what the Greek word telos means. So by Jesus' single offering, he has made me whole forever. And I am one of those who are, and there's that word, sanctified. Hebrews 10, 14. What a great verse. And then in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, Paul writes, For our sake he, God the Father, made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you hear the exchange in that? For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin, because Jesus knew no sin. God said he's going to take on the sin of the world, the Lamb of God who takes on the sin of the world. So what? So that in him, that's you and me, we're in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. Do you think of yourself that way? Would you wake up and go, I'm the righteousness of God? Well, probably not, but you should, because that is who you are. Why? Because of the great exchange. The exchange life is what we're talking about. That's what has established this reality, not by what you've done. Now, what's so important to understand about this exchanged life is that we are now free from the yoke of slavery to the law. There are 613 commandments in the law in the Old Testament. Now, I can't keep all of those. I don't have a chance of keeping all of them. Part of the problem is that I am born into this world broken, and I am not capable of keeping all of the law. In fact, to be honest, I probably can't keep all of even the Ten Commandments every single day. Pretty likely I'm going to covet, maybe not tell the truth all the time. Sometimes another thing that's important comes before God in my life. That's breaking number one. So if I have to do that, I'm under this kind of bondage to keep all of the law. And I am going to fail. You know the old song in the 70s, I fought the law and the law won. The law is going to win every time. If the focus is on me and my willpower, I don't have a chance. I'll live under the burden of legalism, trying to earn something. But the exchanged life that we saw in those two verses from Hebrews and 2 Corinthians is the key to this. Jesus has done this for us. And it is a life that has been exchanged, his life for mine, so that I now become the righteousness of God. Now, here's what I want to say. You will never have a changed life until you experience the exchanged life. I'll say that again. You'll never have a changed life until you experience the exchanged life, meaning that if you are trying to change on your own, it's never going to happen. But when you start to realize, oh, wait, this is who I am? This is who I am. And what does that mean? In Christ, I'm forgiven. I'm made alive. I'm made new. I'm made holy. Now I live into the reality of what that is. This is not based on my actions, and it's not based on my feelings. I don't wake up and go, I really feel forgiven, made alive, made new, made holy. That's a fact based on the work of God in my life and in your life. Because here's the truth. God is never going to love you more than he does right now, never going to love you less than he does right now. 
God's never going to forgive you more than you are now forgiven. God is never going to make you more holy, set apart, dedicated, than you are now because that has been established. But the enemy of your soul and my soul does not want us to know this, does not want us to live into the truth of the exchange life. Instead, would vastly prefer that you and I stay on the treadmill that goes nowhere, where we're trying to become holy, we're trying to be righteous, we're trying to establish that on our own, by our own willpower, and it always fails. And what happens? We end up frustrated, we end up bitter, and most people end up quitting at some point. They just say, ah, this Christian thing, too hard, doesn't work. If we're to understand the very things I'm talking about, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.12 now we have received not the spirit of the world, because the world works that way. You've got to earn it. Now we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that is from God, so that we may understand the gifts bestowed on us by God. Hear that again. So that we may understand the gifts. It's a gift. A gift can't be earned. The only way you are going to learn and I am going to learn that we are saints, that we are dedicated, that we're the righteousness of God, that we have been perfected, made whole, is by the work of the Spirit, who makes us understand this is the gift. And once I understand that gift, then I can begin to live differently. You see, for Paul, who we are, our identity, determines how we act, our ethics. The world we live in, it's the opposite. It's my actions that determines my identity. I do bad things, therefore I'm bad. I do good things, therefore I think I'm good. No. For Paul, it's this is who you are. Now, therefore, live into your identity. It's important that we get the order right. We're not called to change our behavior. We're called to understand our new identity. Until we get that, it's going to be just an endless life of struggle. But when the Spirit makes that real, that I have this awareness, this is who I am. I am, in fact, a saint. I have been made new. That reality then, now, how is that going to shape my behavior? That identity can and will change my behavior. It has to. That's the way this works. Here's a great story. I came across this story not long ago, and I've just been fascinated by it. A true story, you can Google it. It's the story of a man named Jay Spates of Rockville, Maryland. Now, here's the thing. Jay is African-American. He is a reverend doctor. He is ordained. He has his doctorate. He works in a seminary back east. His father, before his father passed was very interested in their ancestry. So he did a lot of research. The problem is that for African-Americans, the issue of slavery makes it very difficult to understand your genealogy because they just didn't keep good records. So Jay's father passes away. And a few years later, Jay is in his 60s. And he thinks, I think I want to continue that. So he begins doing some research. But now here's the key. He has at his disposal... DNA. He has DNA to be a part of his research. So he begins searching and he discovers 
that the line of his ancestry goes to a country in West Africa called Benin. Benin is a small country in West Africa. It was once a French colony. And he discovers, well, that is where I'm from. And then a little bit more, he begins to see that he's from the line. It looks as if he's from the line of the ninth king of Benin. So he then talks to someone who talks to someone who talks to someone who says, yeah, this is true, and, and you need to talk to the king, the current king of Benin. And Jay's saying, wait a minute, how do you cold call a king? But he did. Problem then was that the king didn't speak English, so the king gives the phone to his wife, who does speak English, and she begins talking to him. And she confirms, yes, we have seen this evidence, these records. You are the, I don't know what number, ninth prince of Benin. And so she then says, I hope you can visit your country. We would love to welcome you, prince. And so he did. He ends up going. They throw him this big parade. They put up banners. They have a celebration. They honor him with a, with a necklace and all these things. And there he is. He's the prince of Benin. I love this story so much. He thought that he was the son of slaves. He had no idea he was a prince. But here's a question. When did he become a prince? In his 60s when he learned this information? No, he actually became a prince when he was born. And what did he do to become a prince? Did he do anything? Did he have to go to prince school and earn it? No, he did nothing. And that's what I want to get at. You and I, by virtue of being born, born from above, born again, born anew, when we confess Christ as Lord, that new birth, we're born royalty. And we didn't do a thing to earn it. It's so wonderful. I love the Bible. When you read it and you study it in depth, we learn things that, look, you and I have been dedicated, set apart. And because we've been dedicated, we ought to live as dedicated people. I'm a saint, therefore I aspire to live saintly. I've been made holy, and I plan on living a holy life. I intend to be what God has declared me to be. And I'm no longer trying, but I am training. Because grace is opposed to earning, but it's not opposed to effort. Grace, well, I can't earn it. But when I really understand grace, it fires me up. It says, this is what God has done for me. Therefore, here is how I want to live. The other day I saw a t-shirt I thought was hilarious. It said, I want to be the person my dog thinks I am. <laughs> I thought that was great. And I thought about my dogs, Winston and Wesley. They think I'm awesome on my worst day. They, they just, they look at me like, you're awesome, man. I want to hang out with you. Wherever you are, I'm going to follow you. Just want to, I want to be with you. You're great. And so I saw that t-shirt. Yeah, that's true. I, I want to be the person my dog thinks I am. And then I had a little thought about something different. Let's twist the words around. I want to be the person my God thinks I am. I want to live into the reality of who God has declared me to be, who God thinks I am. I want to be that person. What's at stake in all this? Turns out a lot. Because if I can remember, if you and I can remember each day, each moment, 
that God has entered into our lives, set us apart, that God in Christ has reconciled us, raised us to new life, made us holy by his work, that will guide and shape everything we do. So back to that question. When the person said, remember when I was fasting, who does he think he is? Some kind of saint? The answer is absolutely. Thanks be to God. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I hope you join me next time. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast. And if you'd like to donate to the Things Above podcast, you can do so on our website, apprenticeinstitute.org. Click the Donate Now button at the top of the page. It's really easy, and it would mean a lot to me. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend, and you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, things above. <laughs>